This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Go. How's it going, Joel? Good, man. How are you doing today? Good. So, like, are you like right in the heart of Chicago downtown? Yeah, yeah, right off the river. So our office is like right across from the Merchandise Mart. I don't know if you're familiar with that in yeah. Chicago at all. It's like a big area, a lot of like tech companies, and that's like where like the biggest incubator and stuff in the area is. So uh, we've been kind of bouncing around, but always downtown, downtown Chicago. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a is weird. Like certain areas, like customers and things cluster, right? And for us, like yeah. Chicago is one of that areas where customers cluster. So we're like. I've gone to Chicago like 15 times uh, this year. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it's a really cool city. It's a really cool city for the uh, kind of entrepreneurial startup space, just because uh, Chicago, I think, has like a lot of different expectations from investors and things like that. It's very focused on sort of like, do you have, have like a business model? Does it, you know, have like a certain level of profitability? You see a lot more startups kind of in the B2B space uh, than you do B2C, I think is an extension of that just because uh, investors are a little different than they are like on the coasts. Uh, you don't see a lot of like social media startups and stuff like that as much out of uh, the Chicago area. Um, it's more focused on kind of like, you know, evolving uh, these businesses that have been, uh, you know, more disrupted. So like a lot of stuff like, you know, in the food innovation space, a lot of stuff in like, um, you know, car repair and maintenance, you know, like kind of like taking like traditional businesses, putting them online uh, in a way that they can like, you know, generate some, uh, some new revenue. And that's what you guys are doing with food, right? Exactly. Uh, so that was kind of like one of the key inspirations from us, uh, from the perspective of, uh, we saw like a big need in a lot of the restaurants and groups that we went to. They all had like these big walls full of tablets, you know, the grub pubs, the DoorDashes, the Uber Eats, like all these services were sort of coming out. And when we looked into like how that was being managed, it was literally just one person either at the hostess stand or maybe the bar. Uh, with these racks of, of tablets just whenever they had a free minute sort of going, grabbing the thing that's digging and then manually entering it into the point of sale. Um, and we thought that was, you know, like a little crazy. If the information was already digital, we figured there was a way that we could take it sort of like out of those platforms and put it directly into their point of sale. Uh, so they could avoid all these like manual entry errors or missing orders because the restaurant was too busy. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, sort of the idea of bringing on all these different third parties centers around uh, the idea that those are all incremental income for the restaurant. So if it becomes too big of a distraction, like they lose a lot of the advantage. So having that be sort of like ubiquitous and like directly integrated into the point of sale system was a, was a big win. And I think like why our product was so well received uh, at an early, early stage. I want my food. <clears throat> I want it hot. I want it to be right. And I want yeah. it 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Exactly. So, right. Uh, luckily for us, we got to speed that up, you know, cause like even me like ordering food sometimes it'd be like an hour after you order it and you like call up like support or you call up the restaurant and they're like, Oh yeah, we had a mistake in our kitchen. Like that never got fired, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of the ability for like technology to like enforce the fact that it's going to go to the kitchen. You're not reliant on like a person that's juggling six or seven different things definitely uh, provides like a better customer experience. One of the early metrics that we tried to really like nail down in the company was understanding like, did their reviews from these third party aggregators improve uh, uh, after 
after they adopted our technology and we saw that they did. So we knew we were really onto something in terms of like a, uh, a metric to follow. That's pretty cool. So you didn't like recreate the whole POS system. You just helped build this bridge between the data. Exactly. So, uh, you know, we've obviously defined ourselves as like kind of being a middleware company. Um, so we never wanted to create kind of like hardware that they put into the restaurant. Cause again, that's just like another thing that they have to learn. It's another thing hanging off. Didn't really solve the problem. We wanted to take kind of all these unconnected technologies and make them connected. So like one of the things we talk about is that, you know, our big goal is to make it easier for restaurants to adopt technology through doing a lot of that. And then also to bring like a lot of these legacy systems that are running on closed networks inside of restaurants sort of to the cloud in a secure way. So we're creating a lot of bridges and a lot of infrastructure uh, that's taking these private restaurant networks and like creating a path for them to get things from the internet, like online orders, uh, third-party marketplace orders, sharing that with like things like delivery dispatch companies. Uh, so we're really like kind of creating a new sort of private network where we have connectivity like into these like large groups of restaurants. That's pretty cool. And it's food, right? Like, that's a, that's like a cool, it's not going to go out of style anytime soon. Right. It, it, it's certainly like a fun place to play. Um, you know, like the space is like really cool cause we get to do all these different like food centric events. Uh, so there's like a big pizza show that we, you know, attend in Vegas. There's the big NRA conference here uh, in Chicago every year. And, you know, it, it's really like a cool group to like hang out with. Uh, so, you know, for the technology like arm and the technology side of the company, it really is like this different space. You know, we spend a lot less time at like uh, technology conferences and like, you know, awesome and stuff like that. And more kind of like in this food, hospitality, like restaurant space. It's just sort of a different dynamic, uh, you know, than maybe some of the other companies uh, and, and, and kind of like what they participate in, but like being in like such a specific vertical with like such a uh, vibrant sort of like community of like events and like, you know, food and restaurants and things, especially here in Chicago, uh, makes it kind of like a really fun space to play in because it is like just as much about restaurants and food as it is about technology. Yeah. And you guys have some of the, you guys have some fantastic food. In Chicago, I'm not really sure what the pizza war is. I know people like war about the different pizzas, but I'm just like a, yeah. a human, and I just you know I go around and I like certain things. And whatever that pizza thing I was that I had at um, you like wait 45 minutes for it's like ridiculously yeah. deep yeah. dish. The the restaurant yep. had like seven thousand five star reviews. I can't remember the name of it, but very popular over there. Giordano's or something. When I had it for the first time last year, it was like. I, I get why people are so like, oh, that's not pizza. You know, like you got to go have pizza over here and that's pizza. It's like a completely different pizza experience. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, it's, it's basically eating a pie, right? You know, like people talk yeah. about like a pizza pie, but this thing is like, it's thick. Uh, you know, it's called deep dish. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely like something that was homegrown, like here in Chicago, uh, you know, date back, dates back, you know, probably at least like a hundred years. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a few pizza wars, right? Like there's definitely like the Chicago pizza war about like which place has the best deep dish pizza. And that's like, obviously like a fun fight to have. And then there's sort of the New York Chicago pizza war, which, you know, uh, you might've seen, uh, I think a few different talk show hosts went back and forth, uh, on it. Uh, maybe like the daily show, John Stewart, when he used to run it, <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he, he would really stir the pot in terms of, uh, you know, he said that, you know, deep dish sucks and, you know, it's all about like New York flat style. Um, so that was, uh, that was a big thing as well in terms of the, uh, the pizza wars. But 
I think like for the most part, like Chicagoans are, you know, on the deep dish side of the argument. And then you have like sort of like the very like thin, crispy, like New York side. So uh, I like them both. I travel to New York a lot for like different things. So I definitely like getting a, a slice out there. Uh, it's pretty wild in New York. Like you can actually find slices of pizza for like a dollar that like are like pretty good. But I mean, there's just like nothing like that here. How did, how did you come up with the name Charlie? Because you're, you're a co-founder, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So it's, a, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, we were trying to just come up with like interesting things like around food and, and things like that. So when we initially like started the company, like we were just kind of throwing ideas off the wall. But we also didn't want it to sort of like block, you know, like actually like doing the business. We, we didn't want to spend like six months trying to figure out what we were going to call it. We just kind of wanted to like start working on it. Uh, so we originally actually called it like Grubby. Um, and then we had to change the name, uh, because like probably like two or three months in, uh, there were some other people that used grub in their name that were sort of in the same space. Uh, and, and they just expressed kind of a displeasure, uh, with that name. So then we, uh, we just kind of quickly pivoted it over to Chally cause it was kind of the, the same idea. Um, I think there's sort of that startup name, like math formula where you like find like a word and then you put like a Lee or B or like something like kind of like soft on the end of it. Uh, so it was really just as simple as that. It was, you know, we liked the idea of like chow for food uh, and then putting that like sort of like at the end. And then we had the idea uh, really early on, we kind of featured this dog in our logo and that was like the Chally dog and his name was Chally. And the idea was like, he kind of went and fetched the data from the third party and like brought it back to your restaurant. I don't think that really like caught on like a ton. We've kind of like rebranded past it, but that was kind of like the story around uh, some of that initial like logo and, uh, and, and naming. So it doesn't really mean a ton, uh, but it's just kind of like something that was supposed to be food focused around uh, the idea of, you know, like getting some chow. So have you guys, have you guys at the point where like you've completely addressed your entire market or you're growing and expanding? Where are you at right now? Yeah, um, I think that the, the market's really interesting because there's almost 100 different like online ordering services. Uh, and then there's probably like close to 100 plus uh, point of sale services that are just in the U.S. Uh, so what we've been really focused on for the first couple of years is like addressing the biggest pieces of those markets as we could. Um, so we have like a lot of the top most popular point of sale systems uh, that we have integrations into. And then we have partnerships and APIs and everything for the majority of the kind of marketplace third party online ordering system. Um, so it's kind of continues to be like one of those things. It's a ground game. Uh, it's out selling the restaurants, um, but we kind of have on the technological side, uh, the majority of sort of the integrations and partnerships we need to address it. So right now, uh, you know, the big focus is taking some of the like more uh, human capital intensive parts of the business and finding ways to automate it. Um, and that's kind of like what we're working on these days. So like, you know, doing things that allow us to do more self sign up, uh, you know, adopting more of a SaaS model, reducing the amount of time it takes to onboard a new client. Uh, so we're kind of like off of that early, you know, elbow grease, um, you know, grind, grind, grind mode. And now it's kind of like looking at where we can create like more efficiencies in the business by like leveraging different technology. Is so how did you actually meet your co-founder? Actually, it was, uh, it was at uh, a incubator for 1871. So uh, 1871 is a kind of like co-working um, shared office space, but then they also do like sort of like office leases things like that here uh, in Chicago. It's really kind of like the booming center of like where a lot of tech happens. Um, so I had a membership, he had a membership. I think he was kind of like coming off of like another project he'd been working on. 
uh, and they had uh, like this opportunity to basically work with a pizza chain here in Chicago to automate the ingestion of these third-party market uh, place orders like for this one company and they were looking for someone who is like sort of on the technical side who could help like facilitate that so there's a message board that gets attached to your 1871 account so I was on there sort of browsing through somebody was like looking for some help with it uh, you know I needed a little extra money at the time because I was getting married and trying to pay for a wedding so we connected sort of on this uh, what was gonna be sort of a like three-month project to just kind of do this once for like one company um, and then as we started to like build it out, that company in a weird way must've got cold feet or something, ended up not wanting to pay for it. And then we decided, well, it would be cool just to continue this. I think it has a lot of potential. And uh, we decided to commercialize it into like more of a product we could sell to multiple restaurants. So uh, it, it started sort of as it was gonna be like a one-off, you know, uh, work for hire sort of thing. And it, it grew into a pretty sizable company. Lucky uh, you guys, right? That yeah. fear in the B2B market, it like benefited you hugely there. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it kind of worked out. It was a little scary. I mean, at the time, it wasn't what I had planned to do, but it ended up kind of being like the best thing at the time. Yeah. And so you're married. You've got, do you have a little daughter, right? I do. Yeah. So we had a, a Madison at about uh, a year after we got married. So it was pretty close timing. Uh, so it's definitely been an uh, interesting experience, sort of starting a company, getting married and like having a kid uh, within like the course of like almost 12 months. Uh, so a lot of like big life changing things. I just joke, you know, it's like, if it's time for a change, it's time for a change. So you might as well just, you know, switch everything. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it all kind of just worked out. Uh, it, a, a lot of the fear and stuff that I think uh, you have as a first time father, first time, you know, company founder, uh, it's, it's scary from like the 10,000 foot view, but like you just kind of approach like all those things day by day, chisel away at it and kind of realize that uh, as long as you give it your best, you know, you, you can kind of make it to the next day. So where are you at right now? Like as far as uh, your responsibility, are you the CTO of the company, correct? Uh, so I originally started as the CTO and then kind of as we grew, so much of my day-to-day uh, -day work was like kind of focused on like product plus the engineering side of it. Um, so. I've moved more towards the product role uh, as the chief product officer. And then we brought in uh, somebody with sort of like the VP of engineering uh, experience who kind of took more of the CTO role. So I work like kind of with the CTO and then the engineering team to kind of like implement the projects and things that we need to kind of like address the market and a lot of like the clients and enterprises that we work with. So a lot of what I work in is sort of like scoping and then also like building stuff up and then figuring out with them like how to build the teams to sort of implement those projects yeah you just gravitate towards like what you love yeah exactly yeah good that's how you're going to get the most right energy from it and keep it keep yeah. it going so is your relationship really strong with your co-founder what's that like it is it's really good um you know we've been there sort of every day uh since the beginning together we've had you know a lot of challenges uh, as we've gone along, but, uh, you know, we, it, we, we make a really good team just from the sense that, you know, he's obviously handled a lot of the, uh, business fundraising, those types of things. And has really kind of believed in me and trusted me in terms of like taking the requirements, uh, that we get from sales and the enterprises and stuff like that. And like distilling it down and understanding sort of like 
what the different ROIs are and like figuring out what we should focus on and how we should address the different problems uh, to kind of like, you know, maximize uh, the amount of time we have to work on those things. So because, because you're into product, I just, this is like a newer book, Product Mindset. Okay. Um, I've been a pretty big fan of it because, you know, I've been building product for like 17 years and, you know, you read different product books and stuff, but I had, I had this guy, um, David and then Jessica, like on the show and they had just some like really good, unique insight, like 80%. It's like the topics we all discuss, but then it's like the 20% unique insight. And so I was like, all right, after him on the show, I, I went and read the book and I was like, this is actually a really good book. So I bought like 10 copies and then I said, ah, the next couple of people I run into that are like, you know, doing a lot of product stuff, I'm going to send them a copy. I think I've got like one or two left, but I'm going to send you a copy. Um, oh, the show. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know kind of, oh no, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I know kind of like looking through some of the archives that uh, one of your early guests was Ryan Singer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from, from uh, Basecamp 37 Signals. So uh, I, I thought it was just worth mentioning sort of one of our big initiatives this year has been sort of implementing the Shape Ups program. Okay, I don't know about this. Oh. Are scoping out a lot of like their product work. Um, so, you know, Basecamp uh, 37 Signals does a lot of, oops, sorry, I got an internet error here. Uh, they do like a lot of, uh, kind of like rethinking the way businesses work. So, uh, with like the shape ups program, it, uh, really like allows us to focus on, um, more like projects than like sort of like backlogs and individual, uh, task items. So that's been kind of like one of the big transformations we've been working on this year, uh, so that we can kind of like have more focused teams, give them sort of more time to focus on specific, uh, outcomes and sort of uh, learn and establish, you know, like uh, better teams and leaders here. So it's like a program you go through, Shape Ups? Uh, it was more of like a book they wrote. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's kind of just guidelines for kind of like product creation and how you sort of like set up the beginning of a product and then hand it off to like kind of the engineering team. And then it also talks about the way that you sort of like prioritize. So instead of just having like a big backlog that people are like constantly pulling things off of and like building tasks, uh, you sort of like write up all these different pitches and then kind of in between your product cycles, you meet with all of the decision makers and stakeholders and you bet on, on like a specific uh, project for like the next cycle. And then you're kind of committing to your engineering team that they have like six weeks to complete this or like two weeks to complete this. And then you kind of like let them run with it like uninterrupted. So instead of like kind of constantly moving new things in, changing like the different targets, uh, the really cool thing about this new program is that, you know, you sort of like bet on the specific project that it's like worth doing. And then you give your engineering team like kind of like, like the time and resources to do it. Um, which I think can be like a little bit different than like your traditional agile, which is like, you know, just keep throwing things at like, you know, the top of the, the backlog. And then what happens is you end up with like a backlog with like 30,000 items in it. And like, you're lying to yourself saying that you're ever going to like actually like get to like the majority of those items in the backlog. Um, so it, it, it kind of allows you to not have to carry all of that weight around, 
you're really just kind of deciding like what are the most important things that we're going to do over the next month or two and then actually committing to doing those things uh, you sort of get more of the outcomes and then you can kind of adjust the project as you're going if you feel like you're not going to actually like hit that uh, you know you can kind of like scale certain things back uh, but the goal is that like at the end of it it's shipped and it's done and then you don't keep working on it past that sort of like development cycle and then if it needs more work you basically create like a new commitment in the next cycle to doing sort of like the remaining work or like the additional things or the improvements. Nice. And so ShapeUps is the book and it describes this process. Yeah, exactly. And nice. it was uh, it was done by uh, Ryan Singer at, uh, at Basecamp. Oh, he's the one that wrote the book. Yeah, I, I think this came out maybe like a year ago or something like that. So mm. it might be a little bit newer um, than when you had him on last time. I'm not really sure. Uh, but really intelligent. Like I said, it's, it's been like a really great program. I think one of the reasons we gravitated to, to it so quickly, was just cause it already aligned with a lot of the stuff we were trying to do, but it gave us like a really good framework that like we could work a lot of the ideas out. So they had done like a lot of the legwork, but they were like principles that we were already kind of agreed with and already thought, you know, we wanted to implement. So I think that was pretty important. Nice. I think, I think product mindset is more like, I guess it'd be really useful like when the, like as the company is getting bigger to this new stage, you were just talking about sure. and you're looking at like creating new products within your product line yeah. and how, how to look at them from a business perspective to like make sure they're profitable as independent products. And sure. It's got a lot of good stuff there. Um, a lot of good insight. Cause that's what these guys do all day, you know? Yeah. And that's awesome. I mean, that that's, that's so important. Like from a product perspective to get to the point where, like you're really making sure that like everything you're building like actually has a use case, actually has a business case, actually like you can derive and understand the ROI of it from. Uh, I think like often like too many teams kind of just build stuff because they're not really sure what to build. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's always good if you can uh, make sure that you have like the outcome that you want to actually achieve defined like really well. Yeah, especially if you're going to like, if you're going to, create a secondary product that's you're going to charge for like separately outside of what you currently charge for. And it's like, how do you look at that product as like the cost you're putting into it? Like, how do you treat it as its own like mini P and L? Mm -hmm. um, and then make sure that not only does that product generate revenue, but it's generating enough revenue to continue its own development and then some, right? Because then you can, you can look at the, your, it's like so often people were just kind of grouping everything together and like, these are our development costs and we have like 20 products. This, this is what it costs to develop it. But if you look at them, you know, with this product mindset of we're going to boot up a product, we're going to do it on like an MVP style level where it's just focused on bringing the most amount of value possible to the customer. And then we're going to pay attention to our resources. How much revenue generates? Is this product being successful? Is it self-sustaining um, and scalable? And so it just had a lot of uh, really great insights and then, you know, dealing with the people side of things, which is something I'm interested to, to hear from you. What have you been learning uh, as far as like growing and, and dealing with people and scaling your teams? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, like I said, it, we're, we're still a pretty small team, at least on the engineering side. Um, but, you know, give me some perspective. Like what, what size are you? Uh, we have about 12 developers right now. Okay. Uh, which I think for maybe like the size of our company, like it might be on the smaller side. We, from, from kind of like the very early stages, we've always been sort of like on the lean startup end of the spectrum, uh, trying to do things kind of with those approaches. 
Um, so we built a lot of really small basic products to just kind of address the exact needs of our customers at every sort of phase of our growth. Um, so funny enough, on like the very early versions of the product, it would literally only support one customer. And then we didn't really add support for multiple customers until we had multiple customers. Um, so that kind of like led us to basically, you know, doing the things that don't scale and hiring like larger operations teams to supplement, you know, automation, things like that. So uh, now that we're starting to grow a little bit more, getting into some of the bigger sizes, uh, we're, we're really starting to ramp that up. We doubled the size of our engineering team this year, um, which has been interesting, but we've had to find like kind of like new ways to scope the projects, uh, build the teams. Um, but uh, all in all, it's going really well. Uh, sort of with the new um, ideas that we're doing around these projects, uh, one of our big focuses is on sort of like growing the new leaders in the company. You know, like at, at a size of 12, we really need to start to think about, you know, as we go through more rapid growth, additional fundraising, uh, in order for like the engineering team to be sustainable, like we obviously need more leaders than just, you know, the CTO and I. So we're looking for more of those people, but we're also creating projects that are bigger and encompass larger parts of the teams so that they can work together and we can see sort of like who's supposed to take ownership of things. Uh, stepping away on, you know, some of our MVP development and allowing like the teams to be a little more autonomous has definitely led to us being able to see who sort of like steps up in the project, takes ownership, and then uh, allows them to sort of, uh, you know, become leaders and, uh, you know, start to self-organize a bit. So it's been really fun to sort of do these projects that aren't specifically uh, built around the uh, business use case, but more like uh, experimental uh, because we can basically build larger teams uh, for them and then allow them to sort of uh, learn from doing. Uh, did you guys take any any VC money or did you bootstrap yep. it? How did you grow it? Uh, no, I mean, like we, we originally considered uh, bootstrapping, um, but kind of like looking at the space, we thought that that would lead us more to just being a, like Chicago company. Um, you know, national growth is definitely more difficult. You need a bigger team. You got to be able to support it. You got to be able to fly out. Uh, so we didn't want to get really pigeonholed like into like the Midwest or Chicago. So we thought, uh, you know, we proved the model out with a couple of restaurants kind of bootstrapped. Then we took it to some local uh, VCs here in Chicago, um, basically did a seed round, uh, built that, like really grew it out, basically waited till we were completely out of money, um, then figured out, you know, how to raise our A. Um, and then we've been kind of like working off of that ever since. So we're, we're still pretty like early in terms of like lettered rounds. Um, but the, uh, the VC capital is definitely like, you know, super helpful and instrumental kind of in us being able to like tackle a very large market. Yeah. It's super useful because you can just expand like quickly. And then it's always that balance of like making sure you're expanding, but you have enough cash to support the expansion. Cause you don't want to be like too dependent on the VC capital. Sure. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's such an interesting, uh, well, it's another challenge It's like another step of the, of the game to learn. So what are you, what are you really excited about today? Like, what are you pumped up about for this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, like kind of this new process that we have going on in product, 
Um, I think that that's really going to change the way that we've been doing development, but it'll allow a lot more people to be involved in every one of the projects. Uh, so I'm really excited to see how that turns out and sort of like what it produces. Um, you know, we're, we're dipping our toes for the first time sort of like into the mobile world. So that'll be a little different for our team. So that's our kind of first big project of the year is doing a proof of concept around kind of what a mobile app would look like in terms of like being able to easily dispatch orders, things like that. Um, other than that, it's just like, you know, continuing to establish and build, uh, you know, a framework for building new leaders in the company. Um, and kind of like growing the foundation for like, you know, if this is going to be a company that is sustainable for like the next 10 years, uh, that we have a way that, uh, you know, it can grow sort of like without constant, uh, input, uh, you know, specifically like, you know, like from myself or, um, even the CTO, it's really like more about like them being able to sort of build and organize and, and, and do a lot of that internally. So I think that'll be really great. Um, so you guys hiring right now? Other than, yeah, uh, I, I think we're always hiring for different positions, um, but we're definitely kind <laughs> of like looking for, do we have a careers page? Uh, I don't think so. I'd have to, I'd have to check. Like that is uh, definitely like one of the things uh, we need to work a little bit more on probably. Um, you know, for us, it's just been sort of like meeting with uh, different recruiters, uh, and then doing like a lot of recruitment out of our personal networks. And, you know, we have a lot of like really great talent that like knows a lot of people um, that they've worked with in the past. And, you know, I think they're all really excited about the company. So they've done a really good job of uh, doing different referrals. So uh, we probably should have more of like a careers page, but uh, it's, it, it's not something we've, we, we've really tackled yet. Yeah, there's always a time and a place. I was, it seems that like when you get this core group of like great people, that acts as like a magnetic attraction. They have networks and you get to know other people and bring them in. Yeah, absolutely. And we do, uh, we do have a page uh, for it. It's actually on builtinchicago.com. If you look up Charlie, it shows all of our uh, current job openings. I was just reminded of that, but I, I knew we didn't have one directly on our website. Okay. Yeah. And we can post it in the show notes and Jake can do that. Cool. And we can also post uh, like your LinkedIn so people can stalk you accordingly right? <laughs> and reach out. Uh, no, this is, no, it's this great. is great. Yeah, is there anything else that you want to get out there into the world? Um, I mean, not specifically. Uh, it, it, I, I don't know if you usually talk about this, but we're uh, we're Ruby on Rails based. Um, yeah. We use uh, Ember uh, JS uh, for a lot of our like front end, um, and uh, you know we host with Azure. So those, I guess, would be like the three like big uh, technology points in terms of like what our stack looks like. I love that little squirrel. It's a squirrel, right, Ember? That's like uh, It's like a hamster. It's a hamster. Yeah, it's some some furry little creature. I was close enough. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> no, this is really exciting, Justin. And then next time I'm in Chicago, I'll let you know. Maybe I'll stop by, see the offices, say hello. Sure, we can go get some of that deep dish pizza. Let's do it, my friend. All right, talk soon, Justin. You have a fantastic day. We'll see you later, Joel. Thank you. See you, bud. Bye.